Hello and welcome to God's Word in 30 minutes today. As always, it's an honor to bring God's Word to you. Now I'm excited about it. I believe that you are. So let's dive right into God's Word, shall we? Our Father, we thank you for clarity, insight, and revelation into your Word. We thank you that scales will fall over our eyes as light floods our minds, and we are established and strengthened to walk in your will as you are glorified and we edified. Amen. Amen. So the last time out, we concluded that the atonement. This is becoming an interesting study. Um, we concluded that atonement, and we said that what Jesus did was, or what Aaron did, was the shadow of what Jesus did. Now, you, you this is a statement you you might have heard many times, um, if you were. Uh, used to those kind of circles where there are things like uh, types and shadows are spoken of many times and basically what what we really mean or what is really meant by types and shadows is that there are things in the old testament writings that are figures of the reality and the reality is christ that's really what it means by types and shadows and so the writer of hebrews that concept really came from the writer of hebrews because the writer of hebrews you find in the book of Hebrews, for instance, a, a very consistent word, better. Better sacrifices, better offering, better priesthood, um, better than the angels, better name. And, and then you find that, that better again and again. And that's because the writer of Hebrews is doing some sort of comparison. All right. With the, with the, the things that were practiced in the Old Testament writings and the, during the times of the Old Testament writings, better put, and the things that Jesus accomplished. So he says, oh, Jesus has a better priesthood than Aaron, or he has a better name than angels, or he has a better honor than Moses. Or how about Joshua? Or Joshua did not give them rest, Jesus gave them rest. How about the sacrifices? Jesus Jesus has a, makes a better sacrifice. Um, he has a... Uh, by eternal spirit offered himself to make a better sacrifice so you, you find a lot of those better things the blood that speaks better than the blood of Abel. a lot of those better things and, and that's comparison all right so there are things to compare with the work of jesus in other words what is really what is really happening is again by comparison we don't mean which is better this is bad that's good no 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 what is really being compared is shadow and light all right so what was to point to this what was written to point to this what was done to point to this so the better is the reality of what it is better than all right so it's not it's not the it's not to negate or point painting negative light was in the old test was in the old testament writings for instance in hebrews in chapter 3 for instance he says that um, Moses was a servant over that house, but then he says that, but every house is built by some man, and then he says that Jesus is son over the house, whose house are we? And that doesn't mean that Moses' servanthood over the house of Israel was a terrible one. Mm -mm. It's just really saying that as Moses served over the house of Israel, really, what was the service of Moses? He took them out of Egypt, all right? brought them to Sinai where they had the covenant with God to take them into the promised land. So just as Moses had that record that he was faithful in the house as a servant, Jesus' record is a faithful son. What was the faithful son again? He builds the house. It takes us out of bondage. Hebrews in chapter 2 already tells us that he offered himself 
um, it did not take on the, the form of angels, but of the children of Abraham that through death he might destroy him, that has the power of death, that is the devil, that he may deliver us who were all a lifetime subject to the bondage of fear, bondage of death, the fear of death. And so then he gets into chapter 3 and says, Jesus' son. All right, so it takes us from bondage of death into liberty, bondage of the fear of death, rather, into liberty. And so the writer of Hebrews, when he does that comparison thing, he's not comparing this is bad and this is better. No, or this is good, good, better, best. I shall never rest until my good is better and my better best. How did I swear? How do I still remember that rhyme? But <laughs> that's not what the writer of Hebrews is doing. Why did I stumble upon the book of Hebrews? Maybe we'll get there now. But that's not what the writer of Hebrews was really doing. It was showing the shadow. All right. This was a shadow. But this was a type this was supposed to be something that you call your attention to something else so for instance you find in the book of matthew and in the book of luke is recorded that jesus at his last supper with his disciples what um, many people today call the holy communion i find that interesting but at the last supper he broke bread and then he said this is my body broken for you and and i have heard people say funny things that jesus's body was not broken on the cross it was broken at that table and that jesus's blood was not shared on the cross it was shared at that table <laughs> funny things no <laughs> no what was happening was that it was using the things that they were already used to it was the passover so they were used to the bread the wine in fact they had four cups of wine they had herbs that they had they had bread we're gonna to have to kill the sacred the the passover lamb so there were many things that were happening at that point in time and then jesus would and then jesus would use all those things to communicate the reality so you say this is my body broken for you in other words the bread of the passover is to call your attention to my work that i would, my, I would give myself for you and it says this is the blood of the new covenant this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for the remission of sins of many drinky of it again that doesn't mean that they were drinking his blood it was a figure in other words just as and at the passover they drink cup all right they drink of one cup jesus is saying that my blood will be shed for your for the remission of your sins and all of you can drink from it so jesus was using the thing so when he says do this do in remembrance of me he did jesus did not institute a holy communion oh god i just killed a sacred cow <laughs> jesus did not institute a holy communion jesus was telling them because they were jews they were going to have the passover next year they were going to have the pentecost every year because you must realize for instance that acts 2 that day of pentecost was not the first day of pentecost neither was it the last day of pentecost in fact finding efficiency in so in the book of acts in chapter 20 i think where paul said that they wanted to get to jerusalem before pentecost so it was a jewish feast. so when jesus said do this do remembrance of me obviously it would have meant that he was calling their attention to the fact that every time you sit at the passover table to eat as jews of the passover lamb and the feast you must keep your mind fixed on me the passover lamb not the lamb that you're eating so um we're not looking at the passover yet but just 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 that so jesus is not institute the holy communion can, can we eat the holy communion if you want to this again i'm not negating the eating of the holy communion i'm just saying that jesus did not institute it at that point jesus was telling jews his disciples who were jews that do this 
every time you do this do this in remembrance of me right it was not saying this you must be doing in remembrance of me no 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 it was saying this do in remembrance of me this do with my memory all right this do thinking about me that's what it meant it didn't mean now that i'm going to die when i rise from the dead you must eat this so because then you read you now read it into the book of the book of acts where you say they broke bread from house to house it's not the holy communion they were eating they just had a culture of eating together because Jesus' disciples were with him everywhere so they ate together and all of that so they just took up the same culture of eating together and then for them it meant more so you find paul for instance in first corinthians why am i explaining this first corinthians i think in chapter 10 or chapter 11 either of the two where he addressed the issue of them eating and then it says when you come together it's not for the lord's supper so what they would the disciples now call their eating together the lord's supper do you, do you get this that's what they do they, they now call their, their eating together is called the lord's supper especially they do it in the night so they, they eat the lord's supper so paul says when you come together what you're doing is not the lord's supper because somebody is hungry but somebody has finished the food that's not how to walk in love if you're hungry eat in your house if you need to drink get drunk in your house but come and don't shame them that have not that's, that's what paul was addressing and then what paul said it's more blessed to give than to receive and you know he goes on and on so the jesus is not in the studio holy communion that's that's just a battle to, that's some that's there's there's no, nothing to be um sorry about that's just the truth so what the disciples did was in honor of the fact that we are one bread you find that in first Corinthians chapter 12 we are one bread we are one first Corinthians 10 and first Corinthians 11 we are one bread so we break the bread so we eat from the same plate today we cannot break bread because i mean what many people do in Holy Communion is they take waffles. <laughs> but what they did was they'll take one big bread and they break it around. Yeah, that's what they did. Or they take two big breads, but whatever kind of your bread they have steak, and they break it around. We can do that. We can all serve one bring one big pot of rice and all of us serve from it, or one big pot of beans, or one big pot of whatever. Ah, I said that th those things, and I didn't think that I was going to say that. Sorry. <laughs> No apologies if I slaughtered your sacred cow of Holy Communion. Again, I didn't say you should not take Holy Communion. I'm just saying that Jesus did not institute the Holy Communion. What we call the Holy Communion. Jesus did not institute it. Jesus was teaching his disciples about the Passover. And it was types and shadows. That was where I was before I got into that. So types and shadows basically. Alright. So in the Old Testament writings, you find types and shadows. What we mean by types and shadows will be things that point us to what Jesus would accomplish in his death, burial, and resurrection. So there are things about Jesus, even though Jesus is not emphatically stated there. So Leviticus 16 will be types and shadows. Do you understand? So all the while we are looking at Leviticus 16, the work of atonement, it will be types and shadows. In types and shadows, the reality is not accomplished. Alright, so they have a, a form of what it will look like. A form of what it what what the accomplishment will look like but not the accomplishment itself they had some sort of promise but not the reality all right so types and shadows so let's get back to mm, thank you lord jesus let's get back to leviticus in chapter 16. so in leviticus 16 we all right in leviticus 16 sorry for the pause in leviticus 16 we look we've been looking at the sacrifice of aaron and we concluded last time out to say that the most important word there is the word atonement and i said that that word means a reconciliation 
and let's get back to it now in Leviticus 16 again verse 30 says it says that Aaron would make atonement so to cleanse the people from their sins is it not interesting in Leviticus Aaron is not sprinkling blood on the people but what Aaron is cleaning is the people <laughs> this is isn't that interesting look at this again in all the things that it does is sprinkling the blood of the most holy place and the holy place and on the altars and everything but in verse 30 for on that day the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you ah are cleaning the items now how are you cleaning us it says but to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins to clean you that you may be clean from all your sins so this work is for the cleaning of the people in other words in other words let's say it again the sacrifices that the sacrifice of the sin offering is not to clean the most holy place it's to clean the people or let's say like this the most holy place and the holy place are figures of the people should i say that again if aaron sprinkles the blood in the most holy place and the holy place and the altars and all the items but the cleaning is the people not the only not the not the place of worship it means that the place of worship would be a figure of the people i say that one more time let's go back to it let's go back to it in verse 16 verse 15 then shall kill the goat left 16 15 shall kill the goat of the sin offering which is for the people bring his blood inside the veil and do to that blood as he did with the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mess so we see where he's putting it, the mercy seat before the mercy seat on the mercy seat before the mercy seat so shall he make atonement for the holy place so we are making atonement for the holy place all right let's keep going just so that we understand what we're saying here because of the uncleanness of the children of israel and because of their transgression for all their sins are but wait the children of israel have never seen nor been into the most holy place how is the blood on the mercy seat for their sins right those are the questions we need to ask because of their sins they've never been there is it because of them and then he says there shall no man be in the tabernacle of meeting when he goes in to make atonement in the holy place. I mean, verse 17. Until he comes out, makes atonement for himself, his household, for all the assembly of Israel. And shall go into the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement and take some of the blood of the bull and of the goat. So, it's everything is on the altar. Nothing concerns the people. Nothing. Nothing concerns the people. But then Aaron will come and he will wash himself and then he will appear before the people. But look at it. In verse 30, he says, the priest shall make atonement for you. So the atonement for the most holy place, the atonement for the altars, is for the people. He says to cleanse you. I thought we we're cleaning the, uh, the altar. No, 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 no. We're cleaning you. So the most holy place, the holy place, the tabernacle, were actually figures of the people, figures of the children of Israel. How interesting. So the cleaning and the sacrifice done to clean the most holy place is a figure to say we're cleaning the children of israel and so when aaron is done with a perfect work as it were i don't mean that 
I don't mean perfect like you never have to do it again. I mean, he's done a good job with the sacrifice and the offerings. Then the people would say that they are clean from their sins. How interesting. How very interesting. And so if Jesus are crushed, the Christ, if he's going to be our high priest, and he is, and he's going to offer himself, and he did, there has to be a temple. Now, if that temple was a figure of the people, then it means that Jesus must enter into or must do his work in the real thing. Amen? <laughs> I'll take that again. Aaron could not enter into the... Oh, come on, let me not jump the gun. Aaron had to do his sacrifice in the temple. When the temple has been made as they atoned for, we say the people have been clean. All right? have been cleansed so the reconciliation was the reconciliation of the people and god but it is done in the temple right in the temple good so the temple would be a figure of the people and so the part of the temple that nobody sees only the high priest where god should reside would be the heart of the people does that make sense do you understand that <laughs> do you understand that so the tabernacle is the tabernacle of witness that's what it was called the tabernacle of witness what was the tabernacle witnessing witnessing the fact that the hearts of the people were not ready to receive the indwelling of god i'm jumping the gun i'm sorry uh, calm down don't get too excited i told you i always tell you i'm excited right so <laughs> try not to get too excited so the tabernacle is a figure of the people now let's go to hebrews let's 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 make this make sense hebrews and does it make sense now so hold on hold on before we go to hebrews in first corinthians in chapter six again First Corinthians 6 and verse 19. But do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not. He calls your body the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's from the old time. I told you, like I've told you again and again. Every time you find these writings and these statements in the New Testament writings, in the epistles, they are from the Old Testament. There is nowhere in the world Paul would have known what the temple was if he had not read and seen the practices of the Old Testament. And so, that temple, Paul says, your body. Make sense? Good. In earlier portions, he had said, know you not that you are the temple of the Lord and he that destroys the temple of the Lord God will destroy that's a figure just in case you know just in case you do not know um in verse first Corinthians 3 and 16 do you not know that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you amazing amazing so the temple and the tabernacle of witness were figures of men 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 the building was figurative of men, human beings. It means that all the work that Aaron was doing to make atonement for 
the most the messy seat and the front of the messy seat and the ends of the altar and everything was supposed to be done in men so the cleansing of the sins or from the sins that the high priest was doing because again don't forget that's what we saw in leviticus 16 30 where he says for that day the high priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before the lord so the cleaning from sins is in the heart a matter of the heart a matter of the heart now it makes sense when you read david psalm 51 creating me a clean heart pull the right spirit within me oh so it's a matter of the heart so let me say this the sin problem is not a god problem the sin problem is the heart of man problem oh i wish you got this this i have many scriptures connected together in my head right now i'm just going to stay with what we're saying hebrews 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 ha 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 i'll say that again I said this again and again. The tabernacle was a figure of men. When Aaron is done with making the atonement for the tabernacle, he, the Bible says that God says that that atonement he has made for the people. And so they are clean from their sin. How? He didn't touch them. But the tabernacle is a figure of the people. Right? Good. 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 Uh... <laughs> Okay, so Hebrews in chapter 9 and verse, hmm, I start from verse 7. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, when he offered for himself and for the sins committed in ignorance, for the Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. Again, did you see that? The way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time, in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience, concerned only with food and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. But Christ came, ha 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 ha, Christ came as high priest of good things to come, or we can say good things that have come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation in other words not made with human hands christ came and he offered in a tabernacle not made with human hands then he says not with the blood of goats and cows but with his own blood he entered in the most holy place once for all having obtained eternal redemption for if by the blood of gold bulls and goats and ashes of an eye for sprinkling the unclean sacrifice for the purifying of the flesh hold on how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So the tabernacle was a figure of the people. And Aaron's work was a figure of of cleaning the conscience of the people of cleaning their hearts so when we say that jesus paid the price for our sins really what we're saying forgive me forgive me for sounding so slow what we're saying in essence is that jesus became took up the work of the high priest 
he became our high priest and then he became our sin offering and then he did the work to cleanse us from our sins and so when i say that i am forgiven i'm actually saying my sins have been washed off that i stand before god holy and spotless this is the forgiveness of sins i told you when we started out the greek word aphesis which is translated remission or forgiveness is to wipe away to clean to separate so jesus separates us from our sins he bore it upon himself like the goat of Azazel, the scapegoat and then into our hearts he went and sanctified us by his blood do you see this do you see this i hope you're seeing this so the tabernacle of aaron is a figure of men and because aaron's work was aaron could not get into the at the heart of men obviously but aaron's work was for his figure for the time being but now christ in the time of reformation has come and he has gone into our hearts and he has washed us with his blood so do you, do you see this so the sacrifice of jesus the blood of jesus is not to appease god the blood of jesus is to cleanse men i'll take that again the sacrifice of aaron in the old testament in leviticus 16 was not to appease god the sacrifice of aaron was to cleanse men do you, you must understand the difference it's not God is angry less for uh, like they will say in Yoruba land. Um, God, please don't be angry. Take this, take that, take this, take that. Please let your anger be calm. Let your anger subside. Uh, da, 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 and all of that. No, 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 people read leviticus 16 again was to cleanse the people so the atonement was for the people god reconciling the people to himself for a year and then they go it again and then they go again and then they go again every year christ comes the high priest of good things to come good things that have come and he enters into our hearts and he washes us clean so christ purged our hearts let me go to hebrews again chapter one he purged our hearts from our sins he purged our sins from our hearts do you understand do you understand so what then is the sin problem the sin problem is that man lives perpetually with a sense of guilt and unworthiness and unfit and the mindset of being unfit before god what would jesus do the christ would come the high priest he would make atonement for the people so that the people would be able to stand boldly before god with their sins atoned for but they would have to do that every year the other people says that did what they did because he could not clean their consciences he didn't make them perfect but christ would come and then he will make he will make himself the sacrifice he will, he will take our sins upon himself he will go to the wilderness he'll go to hell he'll come out of oh i said we're going to explore that we did not we'll get i say we can we'll go, he'll go to hell he'll come out of hell 
we appear before the presence of God and now it will clean our hearts. So every time a man says, I believe Jesus died for my sins, that he was buried and he rose again the third day for my justification, the Bible tells us that what happens instantly is that Jesus cleanses his heart. It's purified my heart with your presence. Teach me to discover the joy of holiness that flows as you draw me in. In you always lost is restored. And I will rise. I'm singing um my heart is cleaned by tire. Tire spit. And lift my hands For by his mercies My life was spared The highest name Has set me free Because of Jesus My heart is clean So he's cleansed our hearts He's washed our hearts I want to show you this Hebrews in chapter one, and I'll stop for th- I'll stop for this th- for this episode. Hebrews in chapter one, um, in verse three, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, after all, because of my time, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of Majesty. You see what he did? He purged our sins. So when we say Jesus died for our sins, we mean he purged our sins eh? he purged our sins i always say like this the prayer of david in psalm 51 jesus answered wash me and i shall be clean wash me with ice up and i shall be whiter than snow i like how he said in yoruba language i'm clean glory to god he's washed me hallelujah that's the reality of the saint. Jesus did the work of the high priest. The work of the high priest is to sanctify the tabernacle. For, and then when he sanctifies the tabernacle, it sanctifies the people. When the atonement is made for the tabernacle, the people are clean. He made an atonement. Jesus did not go. There's no temple in heaven where Jesus entered. We know Jesus is seated is in heaven today. Do not get me wrong. Jesus the man. He's seated in heaven today. That's that's not what I, I'm not denying that. I'll be a fool to deny that. That's biblically true. But that the work, the real work, is our hearts. And so every time you find the apostles preach, if you believe, you will receive the forgiveness of sins. If you believe, you will receive the forgiveness of sins. What's the forgiveness of sins? It will purge your heart. It will purge your sins. It will make you whiter than snow. This is forgiveness of sins. You remember what I said? Like it's a debt, right? And the, the, you, you pay the debt and wipe the slate. And now you stand as one who never has a debt. So now our sins are forgiven. Permit me to just sing this song. Now my debt is paid. It is paid in full. By the precious blood that my Jesus shed. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me. Who the Son sets free, oh, is free indeed. Alright, 
I'm gonna have to close. I'm far beyond my time. Share this with someone. Take this teaching. Teach it to someone. Remind another believer of the facts that his heart has been cleaned. Then we will we'll continue this next time out. What exactly happened to our hearts in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus? See you next time. And cheers. <laughs>